Excited to finally get out and do the thing that uh, we did years ago again, and that is being with an audience live. We haven't done a live ep- live episode in many moons, as some poetic people would say. Uh, so we jumped at the chance when we talked to uh, Jenny Audette and the staff at the University of New England PT program in Maine. It let me do a couple things. Number one, check off being to Maine. I've traveled a, a lot in the in the U.S., but I've never been to Maine. So I got to check it off. Although I need to go back because I was only there for 24 hours. Uh, but we got to hang out with uh, the students and the faculty at University of New England. We had uh, my friend and friend of the show, Dr. Michelle Colley, CEO of High Bar Physical Therapy. Um, oh, yeah. Also, she's the APTA president of Rhode Island and the treasurer for the private practice section. She does a lot of other things. I'm literally just naming three. Um, But she got to be sort of a featured speaker, and she talked a lot about a topic that students are very curious about and don't always get a lot of information about, and that is the business side and the relationship side and how that starts or where they could start. So Michelle gave a presentation uh, before the podcast episode to the students. I, they were, I mean, in, from what I saw, very excited to receive that information because, again, it's not something you get everywhere, especially in PT school. Um, then we went and did a live show with about 100 UNE PT students, which, again, gets the juices flowing. Uh, the guests that you're going to hear from, a mix of UNE students and UNE faculty, plus we threw in uh, Michelle because Michelle's like me. If there's something that she's excited about, she wants to give it out. So uh, I brought Michelle up on stage as well to talk about some uh, some things that uh, that she had mentioned in her talk, specifically about about business. But then Michelle's like me; she can find a thread and we can pull on it and get just great insight out of her and her story about being from New Zealand. She talked about popcorn, which was one of her sheep because she grew up, grew up on a sheep farm. And what she took from that experience. Um, so you're going to get some really, really cool insight, a way to look inside of this PT program that when you look from the outside, all PT programs are exactly the same. Except they're not. They're all vastly different. Uh, but you've got to get a little bit deeper. And that's what we got to do uh, with this episode. And then, of course, I know this is going to shock you, but then when the episode was over, we went to a brewery. And I got to check out some main craft beers, which keeps, um, which keeps in theme with the show. So uh, I do want to say thanks to our friends at High Bar Physical Therapy. They, uh, they were the ones who sort of initiated this idea. And of course, I'm going to say yes. Don't threaten me with a good time. Um, High Bar Physical Therapy, an organization that exists in Rhode Island and now Massachusetts and a little bit beyond. Uh, check them out online. You can do it at their website, highbarhealth.com. That's the organization that Michelle is, uh, is at the helm of. So without further ado, and you know how much I love me some ado, uh, here's the episode from University of New England. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and physical therapists of all ages, buckle up because we're not in Kansas anymore. We're broadcasting live from the campus that gives new meaning to the term higher education. Perched on the stunning coast of Portland, Maine, that's right, where the University of New England, where the sea air isn't just great for your skin, it's also good for your brain cells, apparently. University of New England is the place where healthcare and ocean spray collide. Is that true? It feels very, very true. Um, 
And it feels more like Hogwarts school for aspiring healthcare heroes, minus the flying broomsticks, of course. I gotta tell you, Portland is not just any coastal town. It's where lobster rolls meet stethoscopes. Ladies and gentlemen, they say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. All right, let's bring out our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, raise your foam rollers and ice packs because our next guest has jumped across the U.S. map more times than you've jumped to conclusions about muscle pain. She's from the land of bourbon, but she's in Maine putting the new in New England, a first-year PT student who's making sure your grandma doesn't fall over while doing the Macarena and making sure you don't throw your back out while flossing. She's also a CNA? What? Combining things? Who can't say, I, I need a heating pad in Japanese. Please welcome to the multifaceted, multilingual, and soon to be multi-licensed, Avra Embry. Ava. Hi. Welcome to the show. Stand closer. It's a podcast, but stand closer. Gotcha. How, are you, how are you today? It's okay. <laughs> Long Ma week. Majored in Japanese in undergrad. I did. I would like to know how you say sciatica in Japanese. No clue. Make it up. How would I know? Oh, it'd be like sciatica. Yeah, that sounds good. We're not going to get a check on that. Fantastic. Well, thanks. Kind of Before we started talking, um, I asked you if you were excited, and you said my least favorite word. Just. My <laughs> least favorite word is just. I said, you know, tell me about you, and you said I'm... Just a first semester PD student. Now, I look at just as it changes everything after the word, right? Yeah. But then we had a conversation after that because I think you come with a, a really different approach. I mean, where did the Japanese thing come in? Why did you decide to major in Japanese in undergrad? Because I didn't want to major in biology. It sounded like hell. And I didn't want to do plants, so I was like, we're going to major in something else and just do, like, pre-PT along the way. And Japanese was fun. Hold on a second. So you knew PT was an end goal. Yes. And you took a Japanese major as a roundabout way to get there. Yes. My undergrad requires that you speak a second language. And so I had to take Japanese, and I'm like, this is fun. I'm going to do this as a major. It'll be a good time. All right. <laughs> um, what did, besides picking up a language, what did that experience teach you? What did that give you? Um, mostly it taught me like the cultural differences. So like I come from the south of you know, America and we're very, very different culturally than it is in like a lot of Asian cultures. And so that was like the opening, like was that, that was the door for me to like learn how everybody not only learns differently, but like we work differently and how we communicate differently. And so I'm like bringing the communication styles and teaching others and things like that into PT. How? Like, can you give me examples of... Because, all right, so you lived in Ken, Kentucky? I'm from Kentucky, yes. And then you also lived in... When I was... Oh, well, I went to undergrad in Minnesota. Right. And then I lived in Japan for about four to six months in Osaka. And now you're here in New England. Yep, and now I'm here so, in New England. So you've got some different... So when you say, like, we communicate differently, we work differently, like, give me some yeah. examples. I want some specifics. Um, so, like, one of the things that I talk about a lot is how we um, interact with our elders. So, where I'm from, you usually have, like, some kind of, like, title that you use for your elder, and it's a show of respect, but it's also a show of being close. Um, but, like, if you were in Japan, there's a title used for elders, and it does not make you closer. It makes you farther apart. It just shows respect. And so, that was, like, a big difference for me. So, what is the term? Can you say it for us? So, like, for mom or something in America, we'd say mom, or you'd say mother or whatever, but we used to say mom. Um, 
in Japan, you would say okasan, and that's like distancing. You're like, oh, like this is my mother versus like I would call you my mom, kind of thing. So when you when you pick that up, you noticed how we do we being people in the United States, States do it a little bit differently. Yeah, and just how we treat other people is a little different for things like that. So you've also lived in some pretty um, diverse areas of the country. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds. I mean, you don't really have any accent. I was expecting. I mean, Kentucky, Minnesota, New England. I was expecting something in there. Can you say lobster roll for me? Lobster roll? Yeah, so but right I down the middle. Apple pie. Say it again? Apple pie. There you go. It's <laughs> pretty bad. So just, just, just flip-flopping around the country, what'd you notice? Um, oh, my God, like, it's one of those things. It's not even just, like, how we are. It's, like, communication's different. The people are different. Like, how, how? you present yourself. So, and then, like, okay, I tell a lot of roommates this all the time, but in the South, like, we're so, like, welcoming, like, homecoming. But if you turn around, we're like, actually, that person was, like, a complete horrible human. And I speak Southern. I believe it's bless her heart. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's all bless. It's bless it's their Japanese, soul. not Japanese, but that bless doesn't mean <laughs> that they would like you to be blessed. Yeah, exactly. And then in, in like, Apparently. Minnesota, they're very just, it's not like, good if you've been passive-aggressive. Yeah. It's, it's not. A, yeah. Very different. So I like, I like similarities and differences. I like, uh, if, in case you guys are uh, looking, my birthday is next month, and my favorite type of diagram you should all have a favorite type of diagram. It's a Venn diagram. I like where things cross and where they don't cross. So of the places that you live, the four big places, right? Minnesota, Kentucky, New England, and mm -hmm. Osaka. What are some similarities and differences outside of just what you mentioned? Honestly, the biggest similarity I think is it's one of those things that, like, we're literally all people. Um, and typically the way we do nonverbal communication is still uh, very, very similar. I want to know how. Okay. Okay, so like, like it is the same. If you smile at someone, they're going to smile back. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. And um, like if you have a very open personality, people tend to be open with you. So like even though in Japan people are more closed off and like especially because I'm a foreigner, they can tell I'm a foreigner. They're like, oh, well, she doesn't speak Japanese. I don't want to talk to her. But then like if I'm talking to them and I'm like really friendly, they're like, okay. And then they listen. And they're like, oh my gosh, she knows what I'm saying. And then we have a conversation. Could you change just person living in Japan to patient that you're treating? And would that apply as well? Yes. It's like it was literally just in any situation. And you had to learn that on the fly. I mean, moving, even if you're yeah. pretty close or fluent in Japanese, immersing yourself somewhere else has got, can't be easy. I've never done that, but it can't be easy. Depends on how you do it. Okay, so how did you do it? Um, I was in a program where we did total immersion. So we like lived with a Japanese roommate and we made a pact that we would not speak any English. Really? Anything else other than Japanese, you did not speak it. So we had like full immersion and you jumped in fast. And if you didn't know what was happening, you caught them very quickly. Got it. Uh, if someone's going to go to Japan, something they have to do before they leave, what would you recommend? It's going to sound super dumb, but you need to learn Japanese. And not like a whole bunch, just a little bit. Okay. Because like the Japanese people have a thing where they're like, oh, you're a foreigner, you don't know Japanese. And so they oh. will like not want to talk to you. Yeah. Which can be really difficult because you're like, I'm trying to like be in the culture, which you can't have when you don't talk to the people. Yeah. So just like knowing like a little basic in. So they're like, oh, like I know how to ask for where the toilet is. And so then they're willing to talk to you. Just having a little in. Yeah. So. One of my favorite uh, Instagram accounts is this guy who does not look you know, Japanese at all, and he speaks fluent, like, seven languages, oh. and he just roasts people, like, yes. you, but you watch what you watch is their faces change when he flips <laughs> fluent with an accent. Yeah, and then they realize, that, like, oh my god, he understood everything I just said. Yeah, it's what happens yes, at the nail fine. salon is uh, they are actually talking about you. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't get it. my nails done too often, but I do know <laughs> that. Uh, you mentioned older adults. That's something you have a passion about. Yes, I, my, like, well, not just older adults. Um, I want to work with people with 
disabilities, so mental and physical. Um, and so that's like, I wanted to work at the whole lifespan. So from a child to an adult and like, you know, enter like your 90s. But of course I'm a CNA and I actually specialize in long-term care. So that is what I learned CNA to do. So that's sort of another language you speak, right? I mean, like a, a campus like this, by the way, which is awesome, all the health professions sort of mixed together, but that's another language that you speak. Mm -hmm. So what did you, what have you brought from your background as a CNA into your education? By the way, just a, just a first semester student, <laughs> but you also bring a lot to it. So what have you brought from that culture in? Um, a lot of it is my medical knowledge. Because um, also my mom's a nurse and has been my entire life. So that's a huge thing. I have a lot of more medical knowledge than some other students would. But also my communication skills tend to be um, pretty good, I think, at least. Okay. Um, especially when working with, like, an older adult. Like, I've recognized that a lot of people are like, oh, this is an older adult and we're going to, like, baby them almost. And I hate that. I can't stand that. So I'm like, no, they're, they're a person. Like, yes, they're all these different ages. And they might be different cognitive levels, but they're all people, and I want to treat every single person with the exact same type of communication. Yeah, it's a great quote in a white paper. I'm going to blank on who said it, but the, <laughs> essentially the, the consensus line was um, underdosing of exercise because of age is yes. tantamount to malpractice. Yeah, we were just learning about that the other day, actually. Yeah, you get, you get people to pay attention a lot when you use the word malpractice, <laughs> but it should make you pay attention because underdosing because you're scared because you're There's scared. And we, we, had this, we had a really great conversation about this in terms of oncology care, you know, persons surviving cancer and older adults, which is, well, I'm a little bit nervous about pushing them too hard, you know, because they've got cancer. Then why are they with you? Yeah, they right? know what they're too far is. Right. Um, so where so where's the future look for you? What are you excited about in terms of when you're not just a first semester PT student anymore? Um, I'm actually planning to go into research. Okay. So I'm wanting to do pretty much like with mental and physical disabilities of all the different ages, and I want to work in preventative care. So right. using PT as prevention for injuries and accidents so that they, you know, we fix the issue before it becomes an actual issue and you've injured something. So what would that look like? If you had carte blanche, not just to research it, but to see it help, help create the future, what does preventative care look like? Because we talked about a little bit uh, of that today with Michelle. Yes, so for me, preventative care is, actually, I'm wanting to do it out of the traditional clinical setting. Um, so I'm wanting to do things like, not even just telehealth, but doing things like where you're making regimented, like a video, that's something someone can easily access from their home and be like, if you have these certain criteria, this would be a good practice for you. And mine is more like doing mindfulness practices, which is like yoga, tai chi is very, very effective with the elderly. And I'm also kind of interested in doing things like dance. So it's like structured activities that you can do like at one time. Right. Um, that aren't just like, I'm doing a home exercise program, and they want me to do five squats. Yeah, and you didn't know this, but we're actually going to have you do a dance right now, everybody. Put your hand... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, if you want, you could. No, I'm good, I'm good. It. It'd be really hard with the headphones on, like the wire. I trip, <laughs> <laughs> this would not be good. What's something someone should know about the University of New England? And I, I pitch this because mm. all PT programs are the same. If you look at their website, right? General stock b-roll footage right you have to have all the captive requirements but then you get there and you're like oh this place is a little bit different so someone yeah. not here in new england not here in portland what should they know about university of new england so the reason i picked this university in the first place is actually because of the fact that one like yeah sure we're like just you know like we're not pts yet but we can actually still do part in research here um, like doing, you know, first, second, and third year, we can still do research. And usually that's not until after. So I was like, I'm wanting to do research. So like, that's great. So we have a lot more research opportunities. 
And also, it's kind of like the more holistic approach that I'm looking for. So I'm wanting to do things that like are a little out of the box, and you and E, um, the professors, you know, are great for that. So they like to do things out of the box and teach you more holistic practices, not just like the basic PT that you like think yeah. of. With your mix of like dance and 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 mindfulness, I feel like it could mm-hmm. be the jazz hands of physical therapy if yeah, you want to do that exactly. in the future or something like that. Um, are you? We have a we have a, uh, a part of the show called Three Questions. Are you ready for three questions? Oh God, maybe on the hot seat with three questions on the PT Pinecast. All right, three questions with Ava. You're going to pick from the deck here. Okay. Pick pick one right now. Is in the middle? Let's get it. Yeah, let's what we got here. Uh, do you like to plan things out in detail or be spontaneous? Asking a physical therapy student if they like to plan things out or be spontaneous. It's oh, it's kind of a mix. I, really? Okay. Yeah. I usually it do. It sounds planned out, by the way, if you just, okay, yeah, keep going, though. It's definitely planned out where, like, I've got a plan, but then along the way, if it changes, I just spontaneously change it. Yeah. To whatever I'm, like, like, I'll be making, like, I'll be studying, and I was like, wow, I really didn't know that. It was like, oh, I didn't know that, but I'm like, I know all this other stuff. So I'm like, okay, we're just going to do that and, you know, throw the plan to the side because we're not going to cuss. And, you know, I just Never spontaneously mind. Back do it. Back to your it. spontaneous. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, this is an interesting one. If you decide to get cremated, where would you want your ashes spread? This is a good question for you because okay. you're from all over. So I don't want my ashes spread. I actually, I know, I took a death and dying course, and that was like my big thing because I work with the elderly. And I want to have my ashes used to plant a tree. Where's the tree? Just wherever my family is at the time. Very spontaneous. See how this works? <laughs> all right, third question on three question is, what is one thing you wish you had the money to pay for someone to do for you? To do for me? Yes. Oh, that's so easy. Cook. Cook. I hate cooking. Sounds very planned out. All right, last thing we do on the show is something called the parting shot. This is the parting shot. The sound effect lady said it. All right, parting shot is your chance for a mic drop moment. You want to leave the audience with a sentiment, a thought, a quote, anything. What's your parting shot? Hmm. I guess my parting shot is definitely like, I get that we're, like, we're PT, and like there's like this set idea of PT. It doesn't have to be like that. Like, we can make it however we want. Like, I want us to be more like the medical field. So we're not just like, they're PT, they do exercise. It's like, no, like, we treat the whole person. We treat their mentality, you know, how they're experiencing pain, how they're, we're treating their actual muscles and things like that. So we are progressing and we will get, you know, out of just this PT box. So don't say just anymore. Yeah, don't say just anymore. All right. <laughs> Uh, can you do one more thing for me? Sure. Can you say uh, thanks for coming in Japanese? Mm. No, thanks for coming? Yeah. I want to say, whatever she just what said. Hey, Embry, everybody. Yeah, they're not like the for coming part. <laughs> All right, grab it. Yeah, grab a seat there. Let's bring out our next guest. All right, folks, strap in because our next guest is a living, breathing example of how to bridge theory and practice in the world of physical therapy. She's the Assistant Director of Clinical Education here at the University of New England, a board-certified clinical specialist in neurologic physical therapy, but she still finds time to make the house calls. But get this, she's not about just using her hands. She's also in the saddle, doubling as a therapeutic horseback riding instructor. Say giddy up to the adrenaline junkie of academia, Amanda Benner. How was the intro? Wow. Was, that a, was that good? Was the that, intro? Was, that was good. Intro was yeah. pretty good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So many roles under your belt. How do you, I mean, you just got back from ELC. And, I'm still digesting it. And ELC is edu- Education Leadership 
conference or Congress conference. One of the many acronyms and academics. We have a lot of acronyms in in the profession, and that's mainly for what program directors, directors of clinical education, people like you. And then what? Give me something you gleaned. Give me something because I didn't buy a ticket, but I want to learn something. Uh, teach me something from ELC that I didn't get. So it wasn't just an ELC conference, but it was basically a competency-based education conference. So the future of Physical therapy education is probably competency-based education. What does that mean? It means that we are being innovative, <laughs> and uh, what's, what, what's competency-based? Like, help competency. me understand. Competency. Okay, so it means that we are going to get to a point someday. This is the theory that um, students will have milestones and checkoffs before they can sort of proceed to the next level. I like to think of it as like an AMRAP. So if you finish things. Um, not necessarily that much faster, but um, you'll have a little bit of extra time. Yeah. I know this is going to shock you, but I actually heard a podcast about competency-based uh, care. So it's a little like we reward people sometimes in education if they're really fast. But in the workforce, we, re we reward people when they're really, really good, right? But during a test, you want to have two hours. It's like, well, I'm not that great when I have two hours, but I'm really great when I have 29 hours. Yeah, I think that it's a combination of that. So I think that our our prior knowledge of what competency-based education is a little different than what is going to be down the pike. Um, so it's a little bit of rewarding time or having time be a little bit more variable rather than a fixed time. Yeah. What do you like most about working with just physical therapy students? I love so being um, sort of that conduit between what's happening in the clinic and their hands-on skills, so um, working with them to improve those habits of the hand and um, still kind of keeping one foot in the door in the clinic. Yeah. Well, talk about feet, feet in the saddles. Mentioned in your intro. Yeah. Horses? Like, walk me through this, or uh, gallop me through this. How does that work? Um, so I grew up riding horses. I'm a Mainer, so... Someone from Maine. Maine. Okay, Maine. I thought yeah. that was like a horse term. We take term. that Got it. very seriously. Okay. You have to have been born and lived in Maine your whole life to consider yourself a Mainer. So um, I grew up riding horses, and that's actually how I was introduced to the idea of becoming a physical therapist, working with um, adults and children with neurologic disabilities riding horses. So I wanted to be a vet, and then I said, actually, maybe I want to work with humans instead. Um, so I was a therapeutic horseback rider, uh, horseback riding instructor for a while when I was at, um, in my undergraduate studies. And now I actually, I tried to get my five-year-old daughter into horseback riding and she told me she hated it. Really? So I realized I was doing that for me and not her. So I've been back in the saddle for about two years. What is, uh, what is the horse add to the situation behind besides piles of things every once in a while, but what does it add to the therapeutic portion of, of, of this intervention that you do? Um, well, just to be clear, I'm not still doing therapeutic horseback riding. I'm doing it for myself. I'm Got riding it. the horses. Um, but it offers so much. So horses are huge animals that move, um, and their movement is quite dynamic. So when we talk about being movement experts, I think there's no better way to facilitate um, rehabilitation than putting somebody on top of a horse. So they have the input from the horse, they have the, the senses from being in nature, um, which there's so much to learn about from, from that in itself. And then, um, like Ava was talking about, sort of those, those mental com components and um, the emotional relationship that you have with the horse. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to make this next part about me because I mentioned at the top of the show I'm pretty egotistical and uh, the Facebook algorithm. I have no idea what happened, but I was watching videos one day and came across, and I want to see if you have, horse hoof cleaning videos. Have you seen these? <laughs> and I must have watched one or clicked on one or clicked like, and now I get 97 horse hoof there's like the hoof GP, some Irish guy, and I am fascinated by this. Well, now that you said that, they're going to start showing up. Yeah, because I just said it. Community. All your phones just heard it. You're welcome. I have not seen that, no. They are oddly satisfying. I have no idea what's going on there, but... Yeah, it's a little bit like wound care. You clean the bed of the hoof out. Yeah. It stinks. So you have to you guys, we're the first years. We're the first years. First year. Third years? Third years. You, you weren't told to separate by years, were you? <laughs> Half the room. Um, have you done the orange thing? When do you guys do the orange thing? The debriding thing? When's that? Did you guys, have you guys done that yet? Third years? Third years. That's your final exam, by the way. You get peel, completely peel an orange with a scalpel, underwater, blindfolded. No pressure, though. You have 11 and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> what's something fun, and you can't name names because this would be identified, but give me like a, a hypothetical but real story about a student interaction maybe that you've had with them because you get to hear the stories when things go really, really right and not during clinical education. Any like just fun moments? During clinical education? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, we hear, as DCEs, another you acronym, we hear a lot of stories. So <laughs> I don't know that they're all appropriate to share on yeah. this podcast so, that gets like 300,000. Rising Tide Brewery, we're going to okay. two beers so in, we'll is what I'm going to ask you later. the same question again. Okay. Is a, um, but what's it feel like when you see someone who maybe was a little apprehensive um, really succeed? Yeah, I think that um, the best part is seeing the students connect the dots. Um, personally, one thing that I like the most is when a student thinks that they have things all planned out or mapped out, and then they have a unique experience, and yeah. um, they have completely changed their mind about their trajectory. And that's got to change, they'll change their career. So poll, officially, unofficial, uh, for the audience, about how many of you are completely planned out, like you know right now, is for, we'll go to first years first, know exactly where you're going to practice in terms of setting, how many of you have it just completely planned out, you know where you're going to be, orthopedics, neuropedes, none of you, so they're lying. Because I remember I was in a class of 38, and it made me feel really, really scared. Because out of 38, I'm going to say 30, knew exactly what they were going to do, where they were going to do it, how they were going to do it. And the more confident they got, the more scared I got. Because I had no idea where I was going to fit. If, some, if a student comes to you and is like, either it's super, super planned, or I have no idea, that's sort of, you're like the guidance counselor. How do you approach that? I tell them either way is fine. <laughs> I thought that I knew what I wanted to do, and I did have it all planned out, and I'm still one of those people that plan everything. Yeah. Um, but we ask that question all the time in clinical education. Do you think you know what you want to do? What is it? And if you don't, that's okay. Um, we're not here to change their minds or put them on a certain path, so we just listen, and it's up to the students to figure that out along the way. I also like to point out you have a license as a physical therapist. You can just change. Like, they can't stop you from just doing something different 7, 11, or 15 years from now. It's, a it's still a license to kind of go anywhere you want in the profession, which is kind of fun. Or become a podcast. I made this person. up. My parents have no idea what I'm doing. This was completely invented. I have no idea if it's actually going to go anywhere, but we're going to find out. Um, <laughs> and from the amount of laughs that we got there, I don't think it will, but keep going. 
Uh, character strength training is the last thing I want to talk about. I didn't really understand what that meant. And, and a lot of times I'll have guests sort of like give me some things that they want to talk about. I like to give the pitch that I'm the world's best batting practice pitcher because I just pick, pitch questions to people and hopefully they don't hit home runs. But I on purpose didn't Google that because I sort of just wanted you to explain it to me. So what is, what is career strength training? So there are lots of different personality tests you can take. I'm sure you're familiar with Myers-Briggs yep. and the color test and all of that. So I think that people understand that. Um, but that kind of puts you into like a category. So the idea of character strengths, and there are several different tests out there that you can take. Um, they prioritize what your strengths or values are. So we like to highlight what your strengths are. And are you using those strengths optimally? Right. So are you thriving and flourishing? We want you to thrive on clinical. Um, or are you underusing those strengths or overusing those strengths? Yeah. So it's nice because it gives us some common language um, with our clinical partners and the students to talk about strengths in a positive way um, versus feeling like we're having difficult conversations about um, who you are as a person. That's right. not what it's about. I took a test like this recently. It turns out I am uh, tied between Ross and Chandler. It was, uh, which friend's character are you? And I'm still not sure which the answer is. Um, but I, I took Strengths Finders. Have you heard of that one? I have, yeah. So, it, I mean, they're kind of all the same, right? You've taken one of these things. You get like four letters or whatever. And I was like, that's cool. But it, uh, to me, it was a little like reading your, you know, I'm Scorpio, so this is sort of how you're supposed to be. It was when I put it together with other people. So I gave it to the, to the small team that sort of works in the podcast, and I got like, woo, and communication. And I was like, that's obvious, right? I just like need you to like me. Like, that's woo. It's like, I need you to like me. And if you don't like me, I need to know why. Like, that's really... And that was like, well, that's obvious. The funny part was, is when we all shared our results with each other. Because as it turned out, two of the other girls on the podcast were like, I love spreadsheets. And I was like, I hate spreadsheets. Like, I hate them, but I had spreadsheets that needed spreadsheeting, and I wasn't giving them the spreadsheets because to me, that was a punishment. And I need her to like me. See what I mean? So my woo was actually preventing me from getting work done until they were like, I'm here yeah. to spreadsheet. And I was like, have all of the spreadsheets. And then we were great, and she was happy. I was happy because I didn't have to spread any sheets. And she was there to spreadsheets. So how do you approach that with clinic directors who are busy by saying, hey, our student might not be succeeding because... Um, I think we like to approach it with the student. So students have taken these tests and we're on um, the same sort of language so that we can have those conversations. Um, they're ranked, you know, so we talk a lot about the five top strengths, but then we also right. talk about the, the bottom strengths, too. So right. I always um, like to say humor is my last strength, so I'm really is it? not You're killing funny. it so I'm far. I'm not really not that funny. So, um, but we, it gives the students the opportunity to um, advocate for themselves. So if the CI is saying, hey, this person isn't showing initiative, we can turn around and say, hey, maybe you're bored. Like, how can we increase your curiosity in this environment? What yeah. else do you need from us? How can we support you? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like shocking when you see someone who's underachieving get put in a different situation than they overachieve. You're like, oh, wow, what changed? It was like the situation. They were, they were bored. Um, if something could change in clinical education in the next five to ten years, I mean, you just came back from ELC, like, what are you excited about? Like, give me something to look forward to in the future. I feel like we harp on the negative a lot, but like, give me something to look forward to. 
So ELC was extremely exciting, lots of great innovative conversations. Um, you know, if you're ever, um, surround yourself with people that are excited about your profession, yeah. like go, to, go to ELC. Um, so in terms of clinical education, I think that there's always room to grow, but really bridging the gap between academic and, and clinic clinical faculty um, and getting everyone on the same page and having those relationships. At ELC, I think there were five to 10% of the, the attendees were clinicians or um, from the clinical side. So we really need to bridge that gap so that we're all speaking in the same language. Yeah, on top of acronyms, we say bridge the gap a lot in physical therapy. So watch out for that one. Um, uh, ELC, oh, also probably a good conference if you want to be in education, if that's a career path that you want to, yes. if you want to take. Uh, great place to do that is hit all of them at the same time would be CSM. Yes. Get all of them. Are you ready to do your parting shot? I am. Your parting shot yeah. is right now. This is the parting shot. See? She said that. All right. Uh, last sentiment, thought, quote, aspiration, motivation, anything you want to do. Um, so I think that I would say that reciprocity is everywhere um, and I don't want people walking around thinking that I'm gonna give you something and you need to give me something back but um, you know when you show up in the room whether it's the classroom or the clinic or the the horse barn um, you know there's a lot that you're getting from that experience and you know we students have a lot to learn but we have a lot to learn from our students Ooh, look at that turning it around the students let's hear for Amanda right now Fantastic. Well done. I'll take the headset. We'll bring on our next guest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats because our next guest has more titles and roles than there are muscles in the human body. She hails all the way from a sheep farm in New Zealand, but has been conquering the U.S. for more than two decades. She's a board-certified orthopedic clinic specialist, CEO of High Bar, and a fearless advocate for our profession. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Dr. Michelle Colley. This is the PT Shell, you Jimmy. talked. Let's spin it around. There we go. I'll edit this part out. There we go. Hi. I got it. There Hi. you go. You got it. Uh, so you're going to kill me on the accent because, I mean, it's hard. You, it's like New Zealand, Australia, England. You get like 15 extra IQ points the second you start talking. Oh, absolutely. But no one actually listens to anything <laughs> I say. We're mesmerized by your accent, though, is what it is. Actually, a funny sidebar is when I first came over here um, and I would treat patients and I worked actually alongside Jenny Ordet. She was my director at the hospital. And I would say to patients after I did the subjective examination, all right, can you hop up on the bed now? <laughs> and they would look at me and I'd be like, 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 can you lie on your stomach on the bed? And they were like, I have no idea what you just <laughs> said. And I was like, have you heard anything? And they're like, no. So no, yeah, it was a good lesson. No like, I don't know anything. what you said, but it sounds really pretty. Can you just keep saying it? I mean, you're, I mean the accents are unfair. I don't know if my children would say that. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So you, all right. So, so the third year sort of heard a little bit about your backstory. Let's just let's just share for the podcast audience in the first years. Um, you you came to the United States, you know, you know, more than twenty years ago, and it was sort of a time in the U.S. when we were in need of a shortage of physical therapists, and there were some innovative people out there that said, "Well, we have physical therapists other places. Let's bring them here." And like, give, give us that in a snapshot. It was an interesting time. I was actually the age of many of you are, so it's a long time ago, 30 years. 
Um, I was about to graduate. Many Kiwis, they call us, will travel overseas for a year or two, and typically we go to England because we're able to get work visas there. Some recruiters showed up and said, hey, we've got these opportunities in the US, we can get your work visa, and I was like, okay. I had the choice of going to Missouri um, or Florida or Rhode Island. Which state would you pick? You would pick Rhode Island. And um, I showed up here with the intention to stay for a year and then travel the world and go home. And what kept you here? And what do you, you, what do you, what, what is, how, how do you frame Rhode Island? You always call, you have like a saying for it. It's a li- it's little bit mighty. Little bit mighty a Rhode A little Island. bit mighty state. You know, it was a really interesting time and I heard you say it to someone else before. When I showed up to Rhode Island, I, I, I know people don't believe it, but I'm actually really shy and I care what people think, just like you do. Uh, I'm not a wooer, yeah. but um, all of those things. But when I showed up here, I didn't have any baggage or no one knew me. I didn't have family. I didn't have anything. So I had nothing to lose. So I showed up at a hospital, and this is back in the day where nobody touched a patient. So in New Zealand and Australia, you learn a lot of manual therapy back 30 years ago, whereas back then, over here, it was all exercise and modalities. So I show up being like, yeah, I love the spine. Let me manipulate. Let me mobilize. And people were saying, like, what the heck are you doing? You can't do that. And I'm like... I don't understand why not. But what it allowed me to do was teach. What it allowed me to do was actually make a difference to patients' lives. But I actually gained a lot of confidence and courage because I wasn't really worried what other people thought because I was like, eh, I'm here for a year and I'm out of here. Well, you, talk, you, you, you bring up something cool that I think is applicable too, which is like you got to reinvent yourself in, in a place, right? And if you could flip that to a clinical setting, it's like patients that I was treating as, a, as just a first-year student had no idea. Like, I, you know, I wore the name tag. It said SPT, more acronyms. But, I mean, you're there to provide. You can sort of reinvent yourself. It's not, I, I don't love fake it till you make it. I sort of love, you know, figure it out, be real and figure it out in the moment. But you're able to do that on a, on a, on a, on a micro level repeatedly in a clinical setting, which is you get to sort of reinvent yourself for the person you're in front of. I think it's a great way to put it. And I felt like I could be really authentic. And I think that was the thing. Like I suddenly was in this new place with these skills and being like, how can I just lean in and help people, but in a really authentic way? So what was the setting too? What was the setting that you were in? Was it inpatient? Um, I was outpatient. So at, a hospital, at a hospital. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So may, let me make sure I'm hearing this right. So it was, people really weren't put in hand, wasn't a lot, wasn't manual as much as, as hands-on. What gave you the authority to start doing that? Because it's, we're social beings. When we all get in an elevator, we all turn around and face the door, right? They did a great hidden camera show where they were like, they'd turn around and face the other way. We follow suit. So you were in a different place, learning and, and working with people who didn't do this thing, but you started doing it. So how did you do that? Why or... I just think it was my training. I mean, in New Zealand and Australia, you, we, we probably did too much manual therapy, but that's how we're trained. That's all I knew. Yeah. So if someone shows up with a back pain or neck pain or TMJ, I'm like, I'm going to put my hands on them, and that's what we were trained to do. So if I didn't do that, I would have thought that I was not doing the best by the patient. Right. That's sort of when Ava was saying, like, I'm just a student, and I'm like, I understand that. You might feel like that. Here's the newsflash. You're always going to feel that, right? There's this, there's this terminology that I didn't even know existed. I went to PT school when I was 30, and there was this thing called imposter, imposter syndrome, syndrome, and I was like, 
what is this new thing? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling it. And they're like, it's not a new thing. It's not just you, right? So when you're in that situation, you might think, I'm just a student. What do I know? I don't know. Reach back and take something out, right? Art imitates life. Someone, we were at some big school event just like this, and, and, and the guest was saying, well, you stepped out of your comfort zone, so that's what I want students to do. And it was in that moment I realized, no, I didn't. I didn't step out of my comfort zone at all. I was in PT and wanted to learn, and I would do lectures and watch videos, and I wasn't learning. So I grabbed a microphone, and I started asking people that I wanted to learn from who wrote books on the stuff I wanted to learn if I could just talk to them for a half hour, right? And I didn't want to have to buy the book, poor. But they would send me the book, and then we'd just talk about it, right? So I don't think I stepped out of my comfort zone at all. I think I sort of acted like a hamster in a ball. I wrapped myself in my comfort zone, and I was able to walk that around. The reason I say that is you can do that too. In fact, I think you have to. It's a great point because I think if I'd showed up at the hospital and they put me in the IC unit to work, I'd have like lost my shit because I wouldn't <laughs> know what to do. But if you put me in the outpatient department with a bunch of low back pain patients and my hands, all good. But I think that's right, is finding a safe place to be the best version of yourself. But do you think if you got put in the IC, you would have just figured it out? Like, I would have figured it out. You, you know what I mean? Like, that would have been, I mean, I do not want to be around lines. Does anybody like the lines and tubes? There you are. Yeah, they're proud of it. You're like, yeah, line and tube me. I'm like, get me away from, I will unplug pretty much everything by accident. But, but you'd figure it out, right? Because as long as you focus on the goal, like, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, exactly. How'd the talk go with the third years? Well, I don't know. I think they're better off asking. But How I was, was super impressed. They were actually really engaging they asked lots of questions, and they spoke up, and they liked getting free books. Yeah. <laughs> We're giving away free food later. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but the free is the, 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 the route. Ballpark it for me. Uh, High Bar's 21 locations. You've been with that organization. Performance Physical Therapy is now High Bar. How many students do you think have come through as students who then graduated to become whatever? Like, ballpark it for me. Wow, that's a great question. A thousand? A thousand. So you have a great N of a thousand, right? How do you spot a great physical therapy student who might just feel like they're just a physical therapy student now, but you're like, hey, three, five years from now, I got to make sure I got this, this girl's phone number because, wow, I can see something. What do you look for? I just look for curiosity. I mean, I actually, Chris, who's one of, I'm not sure if Chris is here, but the student who says, I'm curious, I want to listen, I want to ask questions, I want to lean in. Yeah, I like stealing quotes from people because other people have said it better, but there was a guy who said, be curious, not judgmental. I love it. Yeah. We, you can't go wrong can't there. can't go wrong. Be curious. Uh, in your uh, big fancy intro that I did, it was good, right? It's pretty good. Uh, I mentioned that you wear a lot of hats. You do a lot of different things. Uh, APTA president, president of the uh, Rhode Island chapter of the American Physical Therapy Association. So you get to have a very micro view of the profession on a clinician to patient exchange and a macro view on the profession as a whole in APTA, what's something we should be excited about? Because we, we always, I mentioned this before, we talk about the negative a lot. I want something to be excited about. Oh, there's about. so much to be excited Good. about. The new um, paper that just came out from APTA on the economic value of physical therapy, I think is amazing. And if you haven't read it yet, please do. It will certainly help to, with some of the challenges we have as far as payment I think the movement towards physical therapists as primary care providers and really understanding our role in the health team and for us to not only 
behave, but practice as doctors of physical therapy, we like to use the word. You know it. What is it? I don't know where you're going with this. Patadal. Oh, patadal, sorry, yeah. Practice at the top of your license. And, and I'm seeing this wave of clinicians, of physical therapists, who want to behave that way and make a difference. So, being, so what we're seeing nationally is physical therapists actually taking responsibility for the future. So that study, um, I think those are the big things. Yeah, in terms of practicing the top of the license, zoom in on that for me. Uh, because you made up a, a word that's funny and goofy, right? And it makes people want to say, well, what's that acronym mean? More acronyms. But what does that mean? How might someone be patoddling to ing it? Uh, a couple of quick examples. Yes, patoddling is very obviously clinical. That comes up. You always want to provide the best care from a clinical standpoint. But you also want to be holistic in your care. You also want to think about how you communicate and how you behave as a leader. If you see a patient who should see a specialist or another healthcare provider, as a patoddler, you're not just going to say, oh, call a doc or here's a script. A script. You're going to pick up the phone, if you guys know how to, I know how to do that. You're going to pick up the phone and have a conversation with the other people on the healthcare team. Be part of the solution to that. That's part of patoddling. You're going to think of the person as a whole. If you're a specialist when it comes to orthopedics and just want to mobilize, do dry needling and exercise, you're also going to have to be comfortable having conversations about how people sleep and their nutrition and their hydration and their mindset. So understanding the person as a whole. So patoddling is about thinking of the person holistically, being a part of that healthcare team, and also being a responsible leader. Show up and be the best version of yourself every single day because that's the responsibility and the role you took on when you're becoming a doctor of physical therapy. Wow. If you weren't wearing a headset mic, I'd say you should drop the mic right now. It's pretty good. Are you ready to do your parting shot? Oh, I am. Let's do your parting shot. This is the parting shot. All right, parting shot. Mic drop. You got quotes. You're like me. You like words and, and, and simplicity and breaking things down. Is there a, a quote or an idea or a sentiment that you want to wrap up and leave with the students to ponder more? My family are going to think I'm crazy. You ready? Yes. Surprise! That's it. Doesn't that word make you happy? Surprise? Yeah. Yeah. Our days should have more surprises in them. That means being solution-driven. That means when it's your patient's birthday, say happy birthday. That means when someone does a good job, say good job. That means showing it up for things and creating some joy and not being a Debbie Downer about all the crappy things that are going on. But let's create some more surprise and we can do great things as a profession. Surprise! Ladies and gentlemen, here for Michelle Colley. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, our next guest, strap in, because tonight we've got someone who's a triple threat in the world of physical therapy and athletic training, a third-year PT student here at the, uh, at the University of Washington. He's not stopping there. He's a certified athletic trainer and strength and conditioning specialist. Please give a warm welcome to the man, the myth, the strength legend, Caden Hersel. Boy, you really saved mediocre for last, huh? Caden? Surprise! Surprise! We're going to leave with surprise. What's a cool way to wear these? One ear out? Wolf? Uh, my headphones, actually, the reason I'm doing the one ear out, not because I think it looks cool, my headphones died in the, during the first guest, so I couldn't hear anything. Uh, but okay. can you hear me in your yes, headphones? I sure Great. Can. I'll edit this part out. Okay. It's too much work to edit it. 
what excites you, Caden? Because you're at the end of a three-year-long tunnel, and there's light at it, yeah. and it might be a train, or it's not, but you don't know until you get there. That's a surprise. That is so a surprise. what excites you about, about what's coming in, in, in the profession that you're, you're pretty much in right now? Yeah, I mean, we're a couple, couple months away, you guys. It's crazy. Uh, you guys, not so much. You guys got some time. But Keep studying, guys. I mean, we're in fact, why are you here? You should be studying. Yeah. I mean, we're put in a really great spot to be able to kind of, we've learned so much, obviously, and some of it's gone, some of it remains, but I think um, being able to kind of use that with real patients who are under our care now, like when with our clinicals, we have CIs who are kind of there holding, not holding our hands necessarily, but with us kind of caring for these patients, and after this year, I mean, those are our patients now, and it's our job to kind of um, give them the best care that we possibly can, and I think that's really exciting. Uh, we mentioned a phenomenon, and I saw a few uh, heads nod with that whole imposter syndrome. How do you battle the imposter monster? Like, what's some suggestions or strategies that you've used to say, I, I, it's got to start with you. you got to sort of deal with it, not necessarily get over it, but maybe get past it. What, what are some strategies? Yeah, you know, I, I think that a lot of us kind of can kind of uh, battle with that, not feeling like we are ready or we belong kind of in the space where we are, whether that be like in a new job or something that we're all kind of approaching. Um, but I think I try to kind of twist it and use it as a, a kind of a benefit. You know, I, I am in this position. I've done the correct things to get here, so why should I think any different? Um, I've put in the work. I'm, I mean, I'm here, right? So right. I need to kind of know that and take that in and do the very best I can. Um, I was still stuck on they messed up at admissions and let me in somehow. And I still like yeah. legit was like, I don't know. I think they're going to figure it out <laughs> at some point. Yeah. They're going to redact, redact the degree. Um, you've got a pretty cool background, right? We talked about someone who lived in, in geographic different places, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you come to this profession right now with some different things. What do you bring with them? We'll talk about what they are. Then what do you bring with them? With... With what again? What like any of your backgrounds, like, you know, strength and conditioning, oh, yeah, athletic yeah. training. Yeah, I think um, the multitude of kind of the different uh, patients uh, with physical therapy and kind of the clinicals I've had. Seen a majority of different patients, whether it's geriatric, neurologic um, population, and then kind of bringing an athlete focus in from other things, uh, from Washington State, where I'm from, um, is, is valuable. Because, I mean, it's, it's all physical therapy, right? It's just a little faster with athletes, and it's, it's all providing the best care. Um, I think just being able to come here into physical therapy school with uh, experience with, with working with my own patients before coming was a big help. It helped kind of with the rapport aspect and building good relationships quickly, um, and then coming here and building the skills to kind of do that better, I guess. Uh, a decent uh, portion of our audience are actually students who are just looking for something to connect with, right? And they're anywhere along the spectrum, first year, second year, third year. What would you tell yourself, your first year self, to do more of? And what would you tell your first year self to do less of? Uh, you know, I, I would say to do more of just staying open-minded. I think I came in a little bit knowing, um, like, I'm going to be a sports physical therapist, like, through and through. And I mean, I still want to do that, of course, but there's so many things to take in, like these, these, these athletes, for instance, like you'll, you're going to have neurological conditions, you're going to have cardiopulmonary, I mean, as nice. we've seen on the biggest stage in the NFL, right? Um, things are going to happen, and we learn all that in PT school, whether all these conditions that can pop up, and I think not just being stuck in your ways, but kind of being a sponge, being more of a sponge, and kind of taking in all the information that we possibly can, um, 
uh, is really beneficial. Where do you seek out some of that information, maybe in non-traditional routes, like, you know, classroom and books and didactic education is a classic uh, example. Like, where, where else would you look and find that information? You know, I think um, finding those people who have the jobs that you want, I guess, uh, whether that be through LinkedIn or through Instagram or through Twitter and following them. Yeah. Um, I've, I can think of quite a few. I can't, can't think of the names, of course, but they're constantly posting exercises, constantly posting rehab plans, constantly posting this with the population that maybe you are thinking you want to go into, and that's really beneficial. Um, and then on LinkedIn, you know, finding that person where, like, I want that job, I need to put myself out there and message and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, um, I'm this, um, I'm really interested in this, do you have anything you can offer me? Do you have 10 minutes to talk on the phone? Right. Do you have, you know, I think that's really valuable. This is where I tell people all the time to play the student card, right? My my, my PT school advisor said, you have one thing in common with everybody who's in the profession. At one time or another, they were a student. So when you say, hi, I'm Caden, I'm a student, I'd love to learn more about and fill in the blank. Be real, be authentic when you do that, right? It's not like an excuse to overuse the copy-paste function on LinkedIn, right? But if you honestly say that, your batting average is high. It will be high. There are very few people, especially in this profession, I think. People want to wanna help. Yeah. Know? Well, they sort of see themselves in you. Like, oh, I remember when mm-hmm. I was a student, right? So, like, and, and that's a way to, to touch on something emotional, and someone will follow through with that. Totally. Um, have you done that? Yeah. You know, as I was trying to um, kind of figure out uh, clinical placements, I mean, I reached out to a ton of um, looking for kind of an athletic sports-based um, uh, clinical. I reached out to, I mean, probably, truly... 50 to 60 other schools, D1 schools or professional teams, you know, and saying, I'm Caden Herschel, I'm this and this. Um, do you take students? Like, right. Is that an option? And I mean, getting quite a few no's and, yeah. But what was your batting average from any response? Them not taking it may not be their, you know, fault, but yeah, what well, was your batting average of response? The algorithm. The algorithm was, and then they say, no, we don't, sorry. And then you say, okay, well, yeah, that's fine. Do you have anything to offer? Like, what can I do to kind of get yeah. in the position? Is there a certification? Is there you know, um, a class to take, um, what should I be doing to kind of, to kind of get where you are? And I, and a lot of them are willing to kind of willing to help. What's a piece of advice that you got that was actually, Ooh, didn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have thought of that, but I'm going to use this. You know, I, I think the biggest one for me was I, I was very focused on like, I need all these letters behind my name right now, yeah. which is cool. It's very Alphabet cool. Suit, you know, like, yeah, you gotta you love pass it. the test, right? Right, right to LinkedIn, put that right. Can't you know, wait, right? You guys are like, it's the edit button. You're like, I cannot wait to throw that around. It's cool. Sure. And yeah. And, but I think, um, this particular physical therapist said, you know, that's cool and all, but you need to be building the network around you. When you start applying to jobs, you're going to obviously put references and, those people that you put need to be able to speak highly on you and building that network around you from where you've been and um, kind of where you're at now is really important. If you can have people to speak on your behalf very highly yeah, um, is really beneficial when you're looking to get that job that you want. Yeah, I like twisting cliches, right? Because it's, uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Totally. And I like to go one level further. It's not. It's what they know or what they say about you yeah. when you're not in the room. You Very could true. know lots of people, right? The distance between you, and I said this before, the distance between you and your potential audience, employer, client, patient, whatever you want to call them, could be the thickness of a glass on your smartphone. But what are you saying? I mean, you mentioned uh, some accounts that might show 
exercises or examples mm-hmm. or interventions, mm-hmm. they're not sitting around telling you what they're going to do. They're doing it, mm-hmm. right? So they're telling you. So now when you repeat that information, they've designed, they've put the words in your mouth. Mm-hmm. They've shown you what you're going to be saying. Make sure you're doing the same. Where are you going to be geographically? Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know yet. I, Good. That's cool. This is... Like overall, like career forever. Life. I want the next forever. thirty years of your well, life planned out right now. Katie. The newest, the newest breaking news is that I recently took a job, which is exciting. Really? Hang yeah. on a second. All right, keep going. I've got it. So I recently, yeah, I recently go. took a job with the. Uh, I took a internship with the San Francisco 49ers. Pretty yeah. Cool. All right, that's yeah. pretty cool. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Get there quick. One of their running backs just got hurt. I know. I yeah. got to get down there. Yeah, I want to get there true. really quick. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I've never been down to down. I've been there. They play down in San Jose, which is really cool. Yeah. So we want to be on the West Coast, my wife and I. Um, it's closer to our family, and being on the same time zone is really nice. How did so you West get Coast, that? Uh, how did I get what? That position. How did you get that? Oh, I I did what I uh, kind of just talked about. Yeah. So yeah, it works. It works. It yeah. Works. Well, I, yeah. Just want, I wanted to show it. It just takes one. I mean, the no's that you get are crazy, and it's a little discouraging, but it only takes one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, any advice for the fir- first years? Do you guys do that? They, when I was the first year, they had like the third years of the second years come in and like give us advice. Mostly they just scared us. Mm, yeah. It didn't feel like advice. I feel I like mean, they were throwing warnings at us. I was like, I feel worse than I yeah. did an hour ago. <laughs> I don't know if we do too much scaring maybe. But I think my biggest piece of advice is probably just to not, not be prideful in not asking for help with... with um, kind of getting help with class, getting help with anything, asking for advice on, you know, how did you get through this course? Not so much the material, yeah. but, like, they're going to go through MSK here pretty soon. It's a tough yeah. course. It's really difficult. Uh, both the material and mentally, it's a lot of work. Um, so I think asking even those things, you know, I know the material is tough, but how did you mentally kind of get through this class? Or Yeah. Um, I think overall just not being prideful and asking for help and uh, asking those who have kind of gone through it um, yeah. what they did. People like to be helpful. We talked about this earlier, right? Uh, so when you start out in radio, they give you the really good shift, like midnight to 6 a.m. Mm. on Friday and Saturday. And I just needed some people to call just so I could talk to people, request a song. I don't care. And the way to do that is say something wrong on the radio. Just a little bit incorrect because people love to correct you. Yeah, that's true. You ever want to fix that, figure out how to fix something around your house? Post a question and then log in to someone Jeez. else and post a wrong answer, you'll get 78 people piling on and why that's you'll wrong, people that and this is the right answer. Fight to help you for sure. So use that. If that's how our brains are wired, that's id, ego, and superego, if that's how we're wired, I don't know, use it for the powers of good and mm-hmm. how to get a job. Totally. That's pretty exciting. 49ers. It's exciting, yeah. That is really cool. All right, are you ready to do your parting shot? Yeah, yeah, of course. Have you prepared for this? I have. I've been thinking a Good. Whole time Surprise! Surprise! This is the parting shot. All right, Caden, parting shot. What do you got for us? You know, I think as, as students in graduate school, we go through a lot of different things. We have a lot of different opportunities, whether we have to go through it or there's opportunities that come up. And I think something that's helped me is falling in love with the process of it. We're all going to be PTs in the end. That's why we're here. But there's a lot that goes on in between. And you have to love it. You have to continue to learn, and you have to love the things that you're going through. It's going to make you even better in the end. Yeah, you've, si- you've survived 100% of your bad days, right? So That's true. just keep swimming. I'm just throwing quotes out there that align to something that you just it said. Works. Let's hear it for Kaden. Awesome. All right. How was that? I didn't get fired, right? That was pretty good. 
So I'll ask the question again, which is what I asked before, which is the cool part about this, right? Lectures are fantastic. Before when I used the lecture term, I wasn't poo-pooing it, but I was saying, can you change it to a conversation? We just had four mini conversations. We can leverage this thing out there called the internet. And now maybe instead of just 100 people hearing these four conversations over time, because the internet has the longest memory ever, people will learn from all the different nuggets that they just said. So I looked at PT school and I got real nervous. That was a true story. The more confident everybody was getting towards graduation, the more scared I got. Because I liked a lot of things, but I didn't love anything, right? So I was like, okay, well, I'll just figure this out. And then I noticed there was a gap before we had a little bit of a mini discussion uh, while Michelle was talking to the third years, which is how can we have, how can we change how we're valued? That was a word that was brought up, right? Because we, we wrote on the board, uh, loan, student loan debt, decreasing reimbursements, increasing startup costs for businesses. And as a communications person, I just kind of come at something a little bit different, similar to Ava, right? She just comes with a little bit of a, a background in something weird that doesn't make any sense going forward. But to me, it makes sense going backwards. So the conversation I had with, what was your name? Tim. I shouted out, how would you get people to value physical therapy more? And I said, sell the hole, not the drill, right? We get real hung up in telling people about the letters after our name, right? And that, to me, as a communications person, again, I am, swear, I swear, I have the degree. I never took the degree out of the Roly thing, but I have a degree in physical therapy, except I just come in a little bit different. I'm like, you keep selling the, f the features on the drill, right? How many bits it comes with, how many volts it is, or amps. I don't know how drills work, right? But instead, can you sell the hole? Why did you want to drill a hole, Tim? Fix your door, right? So you made it easy. Someone who doesn't even know how to drill could do it, right? So instead of selling the drill, so the thing I would like to close with, my parting shot is features not, or benefits not features, right? Benefits not features, right? There's no friends with features. There's no such thing as friends with features. You did the math. I didn't say it. It's a school. But the idea here is what can I do after I see you? after I am involved in your life, what will you be able to do instead of what you did to get here or the stuff that you know? Because there's another cliche, right? No one cares how much you know until, say it louder, no one know, cares how much you know until you, they know how much you care. That's a lie too. Does it change anything for you to know how much I care? It changes when you figure out how much or what I know can it help you do the thing you can't do without me. No drill, no hole. Don't sell the drill, sell the hole first. So that's what I wanted. I, wanted, I told you, I promised, I'm like, we would get to that. But that, does that help you understand it better? It depends. Everything depends, all right? That is, that is it. This concept is simple, but not easy. Right? And here's the thing, you're going to see it everywhere now. You're going to see it in all the ads, the ones that you pay attention to. Right? Just put that paradigm in there. Are they selling the hole or the drill? Are they selling features or benefits? The really big brands, the ones that succeed, sell the benefits, not the features. And they touch those things on an emotional level. Right? What will you be able to do that you can't do now? Who's, where are the runners in the room? Right? Try to tell a runner he's not supposed to run for a little while. 
It's tied to your identity, right? Where are the triathletes? Are there any triathletes in here? Yeah, they're the weirdos. They're going to keep doing all three. I say that. I'm a triathlete too. I decided to do that sport because I wanted to be mediocre at three things in one day. That's called efficient mediocrity. But if you can make sure that you understand that I help runners get back to PRing faster, it's better that I'm an orthopedic manual physical therapist. One thing doesn't mean it. One thing is you talking about you. The other is you talking about me. And if you talk about me to me, I'll listen to you all day. So my parting shot is be a friend with features. No, just kidding. Don't be that. Be the other one. So sell, sell the benefits, not the features. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.